right, here we are. It's Fake Spike Podcast. Robin Vort. I don't know. You, you want to be called Eugene? You want to be called Vort? What do you want to be? I'm in love with the name you guys gave me. Vort is here to stay. Vort is here to stay. All right. So it's, it's Robin Vort or Mac and Vort, uh, whatever. It's the two of us talking Jets. So uh, before we get to uh, predictions about the game tomorrow, so we should do this every week, by the way, just predict the game and figure out what we're going to do. But you wanted to talk about um, the latest goings on in Jetsville. So why don't you talk a little bit about what you want to get off your chest this time? So obviously it wouldn't be the Jets if uh, another day didn't give us another shit show to discuss. And the latest one, I'm sure, as you heard during an interview with Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, he threw a little bit of what some are taking as shade at the offense, at Adam Gates, saying that the, not all the stats are basically... He did say, yes, the numbers are unacceptable, but not all the points are on the defense. So he kind of put the blame on, and you can look at it many ways. Number one, he basically hinted that the offense is not putting up enough numbers. Uh, the offense is not holding on to the ball enough, sustaining drive, so the defense doesn't get a chance to rest. Uh, and uh, the offense doesn't do enough to give the defense decent field, field position. So all those things, he kind of, um, and let, let's be honest here, Greg Williams, <clears throat> in my eyes, he's a piece of shit. The guy doesn't have the greatest reputation. Uh, when he got hired, to me, it was just a matter of time until the personalities clash. He's a guy who keeps trying to be a head coach. I think he sees this as an opportunity that if Gaze does get let go in the middle of the season, he'll get a decent audition, whether it's to be the Jets coach or somewhere else. Uh, but just, I don't like it. Uh, the biggest thing is you got to keep this nonsense behind closed doors. I mean, it's one thing we can all understand as fans we can we can guess there's some division going on and just when you're 0 and 5 there's got to be some infighting going on it's just natural you're competing and you're losing it starts to wear uh, it starts to wear on you but when your defensive coordinator goes and starts taking little pot shots at the offense at the head coach that's just the wheels came off the roof got ripped over the tornado and the engine fell out on the highway this is just the only way i can put it but uh, let me know your thoughts and did you take it the same way as me that he wasn't just defending his defensive guys he also took a swipe at the offense and the head coach oh i absolutely did and uh, now i will throw a shameless plug out there that i run a facebook group for dark siders called um jets fans uncensored uh, a place for dark siders and uh, i created that group because i was sick of being told that i'm a fake fan if i if I'm negative and sick of their shit and that I'm not all positive and expecting them to win. And um, I actually put that out on, I, you know, I took a clip, someone had posted a Twitter, a Twitter uh, post and I, and I clipped it and put it on that page and said, I said, uh, even, even, you know, the defensive coordinators taking shots at this mutt now, you know, so I absolutely took it that way um, because of the one comment he made. It wasn't just, you know, uh, you know, it's not just us, but, but they asked him what he meant. And he said, you can figure it out now. Yes. If that's not a passive aggressive way of saying, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Don't play stupid. Then I don't know what is. I'm not surprised that he's doing that. I mean, he, he like you said, he's, he's got a bad reputation. He's not a great guy. I don't know that he's going to get a coaching opportunity in the NFL. Now he's, he's, he's getting into his late sixties now, Greg, Greg Williams. I think he's probably 66. 566 67 something like that so who knows if he's going to get a shot but nobody's giving him a shot because of that whole new orleans um bounty. exactly the guy doesn't have the cleanest reputation i think he should hang on to the fact that he can still be a defensive coordinator the fact that he's not a defensive backs or a linebackers assistant coach or a water boy for that matter uh, he should appreciate it. He is a good defensive coordinator. He, uh, I, I guess from what I know, uh, he's known to be very aggressive, blitz heavy, and he does produce results when he has talent. Maybe you can explain this to me. What was the purpose of this? W what do you accomplish by 
a team that clearly has right now a very fragile psyche, the team that's losing and kind of just, I don't even want to say paddling to stay afloat, the team that's pretty much drowning. What is the point, instead of trying to stabilize the guys, trying to unite them, what did he accomplish by kind of throwing shade on the offense? Uh, well, I, I did not read the article closely, so I am just going to play pop psychologist and give you what I think it could be. Um, I think Greg Williams is probably fairly immature with stuff like that um, and pro- and got probably got a little tired of people pointing out how his defense was worse than the league and you know second most points given up per game and you know and this goes back to what we talked about at the end of the last podcast about Adam Gase is not a leader he doesn't have respect in the locker room and uh you know we never mentioned the coaches we would just talk about the players but so uh, you know, we, so we mentioned yeah we mentioned the guys that work with Adam Gase on the offense and said how uh, you know they're probably scared of him don't want to lose their job so they yesed him to death and told him he was the best to do it but you know we, we very rarely does anybody and we certainly didn't get into the other coaches you know special teams coaches some of the position coaches and of course the defensive coordinator so you got a guy who has been a head coach he is a very good defensive coordinator i think he did a great job with the jets last year considering mosley was out and williamson was out he he, he held them together pretty well and i think uh you know again this is purely conjecture this is not based on anything but i think he probably got sick and tired of answering these questions he sees what's going on you know and and he probably just at that point whoever said whatever to him and he was just like listen it's it's not only us it's not acceptable that we're giving all these things but you can't pin the blame only on us which is very true i mean these guys go the jets didn't get a first down until the second quarter last week or maybe it was maybe it was one first down they had whatever it was but they you know they 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 keep the defense on the field all the time they put them in bad field position and it's I, i can understand his frustration like you i don't like the fact that he brought that out but that just goes to show and it goes back to all the Jets coaches in the last 10, 12 years is they they don't run a tight ship and people do whatever the hell they want. And, um, you know, the ship be sinking, as they say, is, is everybody's everybody's freaking throwing shots at everybody else now. And it's a disaster. I don't deny that what he said is true. Again, it's uh, but I agree with you. These things have to be kept in-house. To me, it almost maybe he knows something behind closed doors that hasn't yet been leaked to the public. But usually if the head coach is safe, one of the final things to save your job, you're either going to fire your offensive or defensive coordinator. Right. I wonder if behind the scenes, Williams knows that he's basically on the chopping block and he is now posturing up and positioning himself to get another opportunity. So he's kind of saying like, hey, 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 guys, you got to look beyond the numbers. Don't just look that we are 32nd in the NFL. Look at the kind of shitstorm that we've had to deal with. So considering all that, we're not as bad as the numbers show. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But again... Well, you know, there's another angle, which which I thought of just as you were saying all of that, and it, and it occurred to me. He may not specifically be talking about the off, the offense, uh, but he could be referring to the the general um, the general demise of the entire talent on the roster. I mean, he could he could have been throwing a shot at Joe Douglas for not getting him corners. He could be throwing a shot at Gase for the offense. He could be talking about um, Mosley who who opted out. You know, so the Jets the Jets defense is decimated. Um, the offense. You know, they lost some. They lost some receivers, but none of them were proven. So the offense was going to be bad no matter what. Um, you know, Williams lost some guys on defense that would have allowed him to um, to to, to kind of make you know, I guess make 
chicken pie out of pigeon shit, but um, he never got any help in the secondary <laughs> at all, really. You know, so maybe he was throwing a shot at Joe Douglas. Who knows? But regardless, he's throwing shots at somebody. Sadly, it's like beating a dead horse, but it, I have to go back to what you said uh, on the first podcast, the second podcast. It's just a reflection on a doofus that's the head coach of our team. Doofus. There's no respect. Doofus. There's no <laughs> There's no respect. There's no cohesion. There's no loyalty to him. It's just he yeah. has not inspired. He hasn't set himself up to be a leader of men and now starting to show because when the things go south, it's every man for himself. Nobody's out there publicly defending gays. And there's nothing to defend. The guy has not put himself in a position to be a leader, a deserving leader who commands respect. And like you said, runs a tight ship where things are dealt with in-house and uh, you put up a united front. And that's it right there is is I am not in any way defending Adam Gase. And you know that. Uh, but this is nothing new with the Jets either. You know what I mean? That People were, were sniping and, and, and all these anonymous reports, even for Rex Ryan. There was This has been going on for years. Anonymous guys saying stuff in the locker room. And uh, nobody being held accountable from the players to the coaches to everybody with whoever was the head coach. Nobody ever ran any kind of tight ship where people would be held accountable for going against the team. And so people in the, on the Jets on, on every level have always been sniping at each other for, you know, now obviously not always, but for the last eight, 10 years. So this is nothing new at all. Um, and that's not the least bit of a defense of Adam Gase. He's just the latest in a long line of guys who who's completely self-absorbed and doesn't hold people accountable. So I, I'm not surprised by it at all. Before we jump into the prediction for tomorrow's game, I do want to quickly touch on a side note. You just mentioned that you run a Facebook group and a lot of people accuse you of being a fake fan, that you're always negative, you're always complaining. I've known you for a very long time. You are by far the most dedicated, the craziest Jet fan beside me that I know. Maybe Fireman Ed can compete with you. But if somebody, questions, if somebody questions your loyalty to the Jets and your desire to see this team succeed, they're insane. But my question to those people is, who is a true fan? An idiot who looks at the shipwreck that we have right now and somehow says, no, we're going to win eight in a row and going into the final two weeks, we're going to control our own destiny to get into the playoffs. Or an honest person who's like, listen, I love the team, but this is a pile of dog shit right now. Yeah. To me, I'd rather deal with a realist who who calls it how he sees it instead of people who are just, everything is a positive. And God forbid you speak the truth, how you feel about your team. Since when are you not allowed to criticize you? I, I like to be an honest fan. Like uh, I'm not waking up tomorrow and thinking, "Wow, if we win, my beat Miami, then we beat another two teams. Look at that. We're suddenly almost five in the playoff race." Yeah, I yeah. don't see it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the way it is. But I just wanted to throw it out there. It just it it makes me laugh how people who are delusional and the. Uh, They'll call you out for being a fake fan just because you're speaking the truth the way you see it. Well, I mean, it, it, it's actually it's not just me. It, what it is is there's there's two types of jet fans. Okay, there's the older. It's usually older people, but it's not always. But generally, it falls into the older fans who have had, had their heart broken a million times and are sick of it, and they call it the same old Jets. And you know, this is this is it, it never any kind of positive thought because there's no reason. It's not you know if if you have the same thing happen over and over, why would you start to think? It be different just because you want it to be different, you know. Then you have these younger fans, and and again, there's some older ones too, but it generally tends to be younger fans who haven't been through it all, and they 
remain optimistic. They think it's going to turn around and they get sick of hearing us get negative about things. Oh, the Jets are going to lose or the Jets lost this and they're not going to turn it around. And, you know, oh, that's it. We're all in one. Now we can only go 15 and one. And we're like 15 and one. You're lucky if you're one in 15. Stop, you know? So they start saying, listen, if you're not going to say positive things about your team, you know, f- don't be a fake fan. Just go root for another team. So I, I got sick of being told shit like that on these on these pages and two two years ago i formed this group it's a small group but it's a group of guys who are realistic uh there's no sniping at each other there's no fighting it's really good and we'll sit and bitch about the jets all freaking day if we want and, it, and it's and it's great and listen you know when the jets are this bad it's it's much more fun to talk about them because it, you, you it's a release you know when things are Agreed. good Agreed. you know it's exciting but but if they're good if, if it was the patriots what would we have to bitch about you know why would i do a podcast on the jets if they were winning every single year you know this is this it, it breeds it breeds the creativity and you and me we, we speak obviously we uh, long before we started the podcast i'm not going to go back years and years but just to go back a couple of years both you and me were extremely excited about sam darnold we had a franchise quarterback which we both saw potential in um and not neither you and me were banking on it to be a 14 win 13 win team we both said the same thing let's see progress if we go from four wins to six or seven wins and darnold takes a step up next year we'll get him some help some offensive talent maybe we'll graduate to eight or nine wins but the biggest thing and that's how i know that when i talk to you i talk to somebody knowledgeable somebody who's a real jets fan you weren't focusing on wins and losses because we knew that the talent wasn't there it didn't look like the team was ready to make that big one season jump to go from a four or five win team to be a wildcard team or a division winner we were reasonable we wanted to see sam continue to be developed properly to take steps forward yes we wanted to see a jump in two or three wins to see us uh, as an eight or nine win team maybe scratching at the heels of a, a playoff spot but to me that's realistic none of that has happened that's why this kind of broke the camel's back and we just said that you you brought up the idea of this podcast and the uh, I think we're going to be talking about this 30 years later saying, wow, I can't believe it's been 67 years since we've been to the playoffs. I can't, I can't, I know. It's, and I can't believe we're on podcast number 7,922 and we're still going, you know. Um, <laughs> see, see, that whole, that whole, I want to see progress thing is, it came into play once I, again, we, you know, talking not to beat a dead horse, but realizing the, 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 um, the business side of football and knowing that it's a, a slow, a slow procedure and you don't, you know, the Jets don't have the talent to do a quick turnaround so what you do is is you have a bad year and then the next year while these these you know optimistic rosy fans are like oh you know i see 11 wins and and the rest of us are like dude you're out of your mind i i, I don't even get involved in any i don't predict wins and like you said i'm not looking for actual wins wins are nice but i would rather see progress i want to see sam progress i want to see the team come together i want to see the young kids grow and then and then be able to take that next step the next year. And then you start to look for maybe a playoff run and and, and a wild card. And then you know, hopefully a division title. That's kind of the progression. But the Jets never make it past pro- progress. They never even get to progress. Okay, enough beating that dead horse. Uh, let's talk a little bit of Miami. Um, I'll let you go first. I, I don't really have much to say on the game. So I know you've been uh, chomping at the bit to get your prediction out there, man. So go for it. So tomorrow, Sunday, 4 o'clock, Jets are traveling to Miami. Doesn't really matter. No uh, no fans. Uh, but uh, a division game, typically, the only thing that gives me slight, slight hope, 
typically the Jets don't uh, they'll split with Miami. Uh, no matter how bad one of the teams is, and it's usually the team that sucks. When Miami is bad, they'll steal a game from the Jets. One of the two, when the Jets are bad, they'll find a way to steal a game from Miami. Um, I wish I could say that I feel the Jets winning, but realistically looking, has the offense shown us that they can put up points? No. Has the defense shown us they can do enough to make enough stops when it matters, to not pick up a dumb penalty when it matters? No, I don't see it. So, And on top of that, Miami is streaking. They won uh, two in a row or uh, one of the... They're two and three. I just uh, My memory is failing me if they started 0-3 oh or 1-3. and three. But uh, they've been looking good. Like you always say, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he can win a game or he can single-handedly lose a game. I just don't think the Jets put enough pressure on him to force him into bad decisions. I don't think the Jets are going to make enough big plays. And football is, to me, that's football. you got to make some big plays that kind of uh, get the momentum swinging your way. I don't want to say it's going to be double digits, but I do see Miami scoring in every quarter. So I'll say 28 points for Miami. I'll say 17 for the Jets. 28-17, and I don't think it's even going to be as close as the score indicates. It's going to be one of those comfortable wins that uh, doesn't look as bad on paper. But if you watch the game, you're gonna. I believe Miami is going to clearly outplay the Jets when it matters, where it matters, and uh, comfortably walk away with the win. All right, so lay the points, in other words. Miami's favored by nine and a half, so you're going to lay the points. I'm going to go 28-17 as my final prediction for the Dolphins. Let me hear it. What do you got for tomorrow? Uh, You know, I I tried to give this game thought, but I I don't know what kind of thought I can put into it because, you know, I mean, and you kind of took most of the points I was going to make is, is, you know, Miami's clearly the better team. The Jets... Not only not, and that's not a testament to how good Miami is. That's just how bad the Jets are. I mean, they're, they're amazingly bad right now. But you just never know about these division games. And no matter what division it is, the division games always tend to be close. You get a lot of blowouts, but there are many more um, close games within a division, even between bad and good teams, than there are um, non-division games. Generally, the better team will will dominate more in those games. Then there's the Ryan Fitzpatrick factor, which I know you mentioned, but um, I don't think the Jets even need to make big plays. I think that guy, you know, picks up whatever, you know, whatever clothes he puts on that day and whatever, <laughs> you know, detergent was in those clothes and, and gets into his skin. He, he's either having a, a terrible day where yep. he sees the wrong color or or he, he, he turns into freaking Hall of Famer. I don't know which one we're going to see. So if Ryan Fitzpatrick has a bad day and we get a, a, a division battle, then I think the Jets could steal the game. And, you know, and listen, being Mr. Negative Jet fan again, the Jets are going to, you know, if the Jets are really, truly trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence, then they're going to steal a game or two somewhere. And the only real opportunities they have to be realistic is Miami, um, San Diego, I guess, because they have a rookie quarterback, and Cleveland. That's that's really the only ones. I don't think they win any of them, but those are the ones that the Jets have a chance to steal. They're not beating Buffalo. They're not beating Kansas City. They're not beating Seattle. They're not beating New England. So this is one of the games the Jets could steal, uh, and I think it'll come down to the Jets are getting some wide receivers back, so maybe Flacco has a decent day, and I think that it comes down to Miami losing the game as opposed to Jets winning the game. So um I guess I will pick Miami to win. And at this point, quite honestly, I don't even, I don't know if I want the Jets to win. I mean, I can't sit there and actively cheer when things go bad, but I, I, I'm kind of torn and I don't necessarily want them to win. At this point, it behooves them to lose. But um, I am going to say uh, Miami in a closer one than we would think. So I would actually take the nine and a half points. I think it's going to be something like, um, 
you know, let's call it 24-19 or something like that. The Jets will get down into the red zone four times, five times, and kick <laughs> four field goals like they always do. So I'll say 24-19. I can see that. Uh, let me ask you before we wrap this up. Uh, obviously, we're going to do a post-game podcast either Sunday or Monday. I hope we'll jump on. But if there was one or two things that uh, you're personally looking for, forgetting wins and losses at this point, what are you looking for tomorrow? to see from the Jets to give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of positivity? What what would you want to see tomorrow? Uh, I would like to, and again, small steps. I would like to see them get Pirine more involved because you can't you can't rely on Frank Gore at this point. The guy's 37 years old. You didn't bring him here for that. I don't even, did they even have a third running back, the Jets? Did they sign anybody? I don't even know. Um, I would like to see Pirine get involved, not only because you know he should, but he's a young kid, and I would like to see what he has. He's a third-round pick. It wasn't like he was a walk-on, so I mean, he, he should be expected to do something. I would like to see if Adam Gase, without... Um, you know, with with some not without with some wide receivers out there now can actually try and figure out some kind of game plan that will um, open up the offense a little bit, um, and that's that's really all I would look for. Mostly on offense, defense, we know what we're going to get. I mean, Williams is going to is going to do what he can. We're going to get we're going to get penalties. We're going to get um, you know um, cornerbacks who are either going to. Uh, you know, either have a make a big play or give up a big play. There's not a lot in between, but the offense is where I would like to see some progress, and I would like to see um, I would like to see it at the running back and the wide receiver position. And it would be nice if they got the tight end involved too, and maybe put Ryan Griffin in there, who's not a bad option. He's probably better than Herndon, even if Herndon wasn't dropping balls. So why the hell isn't he in there? You know. So I've said this to you plenty of times. Now it's going to be on record, recorded, and uh, forever with us. I love you to death. You literally stole the one point that I'm looking for tomorrow. There is absolutely no reason in the world for Frank Gore to have more touches on more touches on offense than uh, Perrine uh, tomorrow. Absolutely none. And if uh, it ends up being the case that Gore is going to be featured more, and I have to hear Gase's bullshit that we have to bring Perrine along slowly. He's a rookie. We have to gradually monitor his development. No, fuck that. The season is lost. See if the guys as talented as some uh, see if the potential is there. There is absolutely no justification for Frank Gore to be the number one running back tomorrow, and frankly, for the rest of the season. The other thing that I completely neglected that you mentioned, you're absolutely right. I'm a big fan of that tight end, um, and his name is right now skipping Ryan uh, Griffin. Yes, yes, Ryan Griffin, because uh, Herndon is. Oh my God! It's just—it's not it. The guy's not the answer. I actually like what I saw from Griffin. Let's see if uh, he's a little bit older. Let's see if we can get him involved. But I am literally looking at baby steps. The one point I want to see tomorrow: Frank Gore should be the clear number two running back, and the offensive snaps and touches should reflect that. Yep, I agree. And and quite frankly, if um, if. They, you know, if they run the ball 20 times tomorrow and, and, you know, a majority of them are Frank Gore, then Adam Gase is just as big or bigger, bigger of an idiot than we ever gave him credit for. Because uh, not only is Frank Gore older and, 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 is, and you didn't bring him aboard for that. I mean, the Jets are going to take a guy who's lasted six years longer than normal running backs and destroy him in one year. But, but you need to see what you have with the young kid. So regardless of whether you want to bring him along, bring him along um, 
you know, slowly and you don't want to stunt his development. You have to see what you have. He's a third round pick. It's a running back for crying out loud. You don't have to, you don't have to develop running backs for two years before you put him in. You stick him in there, you tell him to run, you let him find the hole. And you know, your, your biggest issue would be blocking schemes if he, if he's, if he can't block, but just see what you have. You have to look at the young kid and the Jets haven't done that for years. They keep sticking with veterans or guys who, who, who they don't need to prove anything when they're out of it. And Adam Gase can talk all he wants. I don't know if he has, but he can talk all he wants about not being out of it. And there's still a lot of season left, but the Jets are out of it. They're done. You know, they're not going, they're not going nine and two the rest of the way. And and that's, that's what it would take for them to get anywhere near the playoffs. So, um, there is zero reason for him to do anything other than um, than try and see what he has. And, and if he doesn't, then he's an idiot or it's clear that he's just only trying to save his job. And that's that's really all I have to yep. say about it. Because at this point, three wins for the season would be a monumental accomplishment. That to me, and especially why I'm so frustrated about the running back situation, we did not have preseason games. So this kid needs live snaps. He needs live game speed. That's the only way he's going to get better. That's the only way they can properly evaluate him. I don't care what Gase is thinking, seeing him on a practice field. That's BS to me. Yes, you can see flashes. You can see mistakes. But for a running back, I agree with you. Let's put him out there. Let's give him reps. Let's see how he responds. Yes, he's going to make mistakes, especially in the blocking. That's just the progression of a rookie running back. We are not risking a playoff spot here. Let him learn. Let him develop. And if he's not it, he's not it. Let's find out. We have a we still have a nice chunk. What is it? 10, 12 games to find out. Let's see what the kids got. I agree. All right. So Fort 28, 17, Miami, Rob 24, 19, Miami. Uh, we are going to pull one of our dolphin friends on, uh, whenever we do it, if it's tomorrow night or Monday to recap the game, he's a big dolphin fan. He had X to jump on and, um, talk about the game and then reminisce over some Jets Dolphins battles over the years. Really good guy. His name's Dewitz. Uh, we'll look forward to having him and that's it. So that's it for us tonight. We will uh, catch everybody on the next one. Have a great one and enjoy the game. Enjoy the game, brother. <laughs>